Hi, this is Mike Mignola, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 169. My name is Jay, the Jedi Russ. Please excuse me while I flick my beak. Is that a joint, man? Hello, kids. Welcome back. It's good to be here with you yet again. I have returned. I have returned safely to the great and beautiful land of the North. I have returned... From Michigan, yes, yet another very successful trip down to the state of beautiful Michigan, down to see some good friends, colleagues, peers, companions, whatever you choose to label them as, it was very, very cool to see them all. I went down for Grand Rapids Comic Con, thought I'd check that shit out, and I was glad that I did because it was a good time. Got to see some old friends and make some new. Uh, Pretty darn cool Comic-Con. To begin with, Grand Rapids is an absolutely beautiful city. Uh, If you're around there at all, please go check out Grand Rapids. Uh, Gorgeous place. Gorgeous uh, environment. It's really cool. They got lakes like right in the middle of the city. It's super cool. Being from Ontario, I'm pretty used to a lot of lakes, but you can got to drive a little north to see them but out there bam smack dab in the middle of everything also beautiful architecture Uh, they don't just rip buildings down and build new ones there it's almost like every single one was a 200 year old renovated building it was absolutely beautiful Uh, gorgeous convention center as well your typical convention center the devos convention center Uh, but it was really good times and uh, it was a fun comic-con uh, I prefer to call it a popcon, as they seem to be these days, but it was good times indeed. We got to hang out with old friends, uh, Jason Westlake, Dirk Manning, Mr. Seth DeMoose, uh, our boys, of course, from the Drunk On Comics, Derek, Tony, Matt, Kevin. It was beautiful to see you, brothers. Uh, And got to hang out with the new kids on the block from Drunk On Comics. Other Derek and Linz. It was very, very cool to hang out with those cats. Also, very, very cool to reunite with Jimmy McKnight of the Ninja Starship Podcast. Uh, Jimmy and his podcast were in part inspired by our awesome podcasting panel last year at Motor City Comic Con. 
or sorry, that was earlier this year, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, he started the Ninja Starship podcast, of which I have been an honored guest, and it was very, very cool. Jimmy is a super, super awesome guy, and he's definitely now in the Brotherhood of Pod, and it was very, very cool to hang out with the McKnight. Thank you for taking care of Ross Jedi, and you know exactly what I mean, toot toot. Uh, You're a good man, Jimmy. And uh, yeah, we had a great time. We were hanging out. Uh, it was more of a relax and chill and get to see my friends weekend than a super press covered weekend. Uh, you know, um, maybe they're kind of building on their artist Sally there. It was uh, quite a lot of illustrators, which is very cool, but you can kind of only talk to illustrators about so much. Uh, that's why comic books are kind of, kind of the thing around here because they've, uh, comic book creators always have a story to tell. And that's what we're looking for. But, uh, you know, there were some cool celebrities there, uh, you know. So that was cool to see. Um, And I got to talk to one of them very, very briefly because he was kind of super busy. But I got to hang out with Anthony Kerrigan, who is uh, on Gotham. You'll know him as Victor Zaz. And uh, I got to spend two minutes with uh, Mr. Kerrigan. So, uh, you know, it wasn't much, but I got to say hello, got to meet him, got to shake his hand and uh, give him my thoughts and ask him a quick uh, question or two within that two minutes. So uh, before we get into uh, tonight's very, very special guest, may I present Two Minutes with Anthony Kerrigan. Mr. Anthony Kerrigan, it's fantastic to meet you, sir. Yeah, nice to meet you too, man. Dude, I love the show. The show is so, so good. So, not to take up too much of your time, I got two quick questions. Yeah, shoot, man. Fire Number away. Number one, obviously, you're familiar with Batman as a human being before you get on the show. Oh, definitely. Were you familiar with your character? I was, yeah. I was familiar with the character, um, primarily from the, uh, from the uh, Batman video game on, uh, on Xbox. And I remember, I remember distinctly pl- uh, uh, encountering Zaz when he was calling, and then finally fighting him and... and it, I was like, I couldn't sleep. I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys went a real different way, because when you know, like, Victor in the comics, he's he's a bit more of a, not more of a psychopath, but he's not so slick. Like, you guys went in such a cool direction, kind of yeah. making more of a slick hitman type thing. Like, where did that idea kind of originate from? Well, I think that's the cool thing about Gotham, is they, you know, they're, they're taking, like, a, their own spin on it, and uh, and I think that's what makes what makes it interesting, is that each each kind of incarnation brings a, a new flavor to it, and so that's essentially what they were just trying to do. Yeah, I love the fun with it, though. That's oh, a great yeah. idea. Oh, yeah, I have a blast with it. Because he wasn't, like, you know, known for being, like, a super intelligent, like, yeah. slick guy. And you've given him this really, really cool, like ultra confident. Oh yeah, you well, know. you know, tried to put my own spin on it, and uh, and I think you know, it's yeah. it's a it's yeah, it's a blast to play. Well, the writers are so good. The other episode there when uh, Bruce had to fire Alfred. Oh yeah. And you know how he was so cold about that. It's so cold. Oh, that definitely. was some of the best Batman writing I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. Like, that was yeah. the moment he became Batman. Yeah, we've got a great team. You know, a great team of writers and producers, and you know. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're taking it in some amazing directions this season. So, yeah. yeah, it'll be exciting to watch, man. Well, Rise of the Villains. I like how you guys exactly. were listening to the fans. And they were like, the fans just want more crazy. Let's give oh, them more for crazy. Sure. Eh? Yeah, 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 man. It's, uh, yeah, it's, been, it's been great, and it's been so great to meet these fans here at uh, Grand Rapids Comic Con. Very, very cool. Well, thanks, man. It was yeah. very, very cool to meet you. Thanks right on. Nice to meet you, too. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, right on. absolutely fantastic. Cool. So, thanks I hope a lot, it's man. on for many years, dude. Thanks so much, right, dude. Have yeah, have a good one. Take care. Very cool guy. Very cool guy. Um, 
a lot younger. Same thing with uh, uh, Catherine Law was there, Nisa Algul from uh, Arrow, and both her and Anthony Kerrigan looked a lot younger in person. It was totally crazy, shorter, younger, and uh, either that or I'm just getting uh, fatter and older. But uh, about Nisa, about Miss Catherine Law, way more beautiful in person. For some reason, they cover up uh, these gorgeous freckles. She's got sprinkled all over her special, special face. And for some reason, they cover it up on the Gotham. I'm not sure why. But, uh, yeah, it was very cool to have that quick two minutes with him. Also, uh, I would like to recommend you go over to the Ninja Starship podcast I just mentioned beforehand and check out Jimmy's interview with uh, none other than Carol Spinney. That's Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch himself. Uh, very, very cool little chat. And uh, very, very happy that Jimmy got the opportunity to do that. Uh, but like I was saying, uh, this was kind of a, a take it ease, enjoy the time and spend with friends uh, weekend for me. But uh, I did make sure that I went down there with one particular mission. And that one particular mission was to sit down for one complete hour with tonight's guest. Because tonight's guest has had a banger, banger year. Uh, with the release of her horror anthology, little short story novella, uh, Pieces of Madness, Miss Casey Pierce is just ripping up the horror writing world. And it's been a fantastic year for her. And she's got some really super cool stuff coming soon that I can't wait to see and read. She's venturing a little more into the comic book world and uh, super stoked about that. So she has a few reveals. But Casey is easily one of the most fantastically awesomest, fun to be around and talk to people I have ever met. Uh, my first year at Motor City Comic Con, she was my admitted con crush. You know, when you meet someone at a con and you're just giddy with how awesome and fun these people are. That's what Miss Cosmic Casey was for me. This girl is the epitome of cool. Uh, she's a fantastic up-and-coming writer, and I can't uh, can't wait to see what comes from her in her very, very bright future. So that's what we did. Uh, the con was pretty loud, and we went for a pint. And the bar was pretty loud, but uh, I managed to quiet down the background just a little bit. You can only take so much out of a background environment like a bar uh, in the editing process without making the people sound totally muffled and weird, which it may even sound a little, but it's perfectly clear and perfectly enjoyable. So, uh, you know, just pretend you're there with us, uh, enjoying a pint in the pub as we were. And we got into it. We talk about pieces of madness. We talk about writing. We talk about, oh gosh, uh, growing up. We talk about, you know, school way back in the 80s. We talk a bit about the 80s. Actually, I think we talk a lot about the 80s. We talk about our fathers. We talk about our family. We talk about tons of cool stuff. This was easily one of the most enjoyable conversations I've ever had on this podcast. I hope you find it to be the same. Now, I wanted to add a special little tag, just a little bit of a forward for Miss Casey Pierce. Um, so that's what you're going to get you're going to get a very special forward by Mr. Dirk Manning. Um, Dirk Manning crushed it. Crushed it! In fact, personally serenaded Rosh Jedi at uh, karaoke Saturday night. Uh, it was an incredible night of karaoke. Mr. Derek Becker uh, just tore the roof off the house with a few of his performances. 
uh, Dirk got all Dirkalicious up in there, and it was really good times. It was a fantastic time. Good old party. Uh, somehow we closed that bar down. That bar, uh, we went to the PlayStation Pub, which was an ex, uh, used to be a Pizza Hut. And it's totally still architectured like a Pizza Hut. And it's very cool. Low ceilings. You could totally tell it was Pizza Hut, but it was a super cool night. We had a lot of fun doing that karaoke. So here we go. We get into it. My conversation with the amazing Miss Casey Pierce from Grand Rapids Comic Con 2015. Forward by Mr. Dirk Manning. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no, Will Robinson. Danger. Dirk motherfucking Manning. Holler! This episode, we were featuring an in-depth interview with Miss Casey Pierce. Yes. Your thoughts on Miss Casey Pierce? She's all right. She's okay? <laughs> Casey's awesome, man. Very good writer. Uh, just, I don't think people realize yet what she's going to be come, bringing down the pike in the next couple of years. Incredible writer. She, you know, she started podcasting, things like that, got into writing, and just, just, I, I don't even know how to put it, a dark, heavy. Her writing is heavy, but it's accessible. She started doing a bunch of sci-fi stuff, things like that. Sorry, sorry. Science fiction. Yes. <laughs> I, it's Sunday, everybody. All right, my throat's gone. I was karaoke with our main man, Jay, here last night. <laughs> He's not going to admit it. Funny how that stuff's not on the show. Let's oh, talk will, about oh, our it karaoke. Will be. It will be. Let's talk about karaoke, you Jay. You haven't seen shit get published yet, sir. Oh, all right, all right. Just karaoke to keep it. was fantastic I got, I got to, Jay insisted I serenade him <laughs> with uh, Seeger Talica. He actually said he wouldn't have me back on the show until I did. But anyway, Casey is awesome, and she's good at karaoke as well. But no, uh, she's a very, very strong writer, man. Um I've read some of her Nora stuff and some of her science fiction stuff online. I know she's moving forward to getting comics. Truth be told, and here's the bottom line on, on Casey Pierce. There are few writers who I'm looking forward more to having stuff published in the next year than her. Fantastic. And kids, uh, the, the sit-down you're about to hear, we talk much about what's coming in the next year. So uh, that's a forward about Miss Casey Pierce for Mr. Dirk Manning, who very, very soon will be coming back to the show, kids, for a sit-down of his own. I can't and wait. we have so many awesome things to talk about that are coming from Mr. Dirk Manning. It's going to be Dirkalicious as hell. Thank you very much, Mr. Manning. Thank you, sir. And that's your foreword by Mr. Dirk Manning. second one. Forgive me, I can't remember what it's called. But the churchy one. Messia. Yeah. You made me really like that guy. You were very tricky in that story. You, you know, first he's a guy in prison, right? I'll try not to spoil too much or whatever, but you yeah. know, he's getting out of, 
he's got a pass. Yeah, right. the edges. And uh, but you you kind of spin it where you almost feel sorry for this guy. You know, like I liked him, and I like, and you almost want to start rooting for him. And obviously, it's it's not a book about happy endings. No. Right. No. So it's a cultist piece. Yes. Yeah, so that one I read, and that one really hit me because I was just like, oh, I liked him. You almost wanted. It's to see funny him you more. bring that up because yeah. I know you like him in real life. Oh really? He's based off of someone I will not say on the podcast, That's but I'll cool. tell you later. All right, yeah. So cool, cool. yeah, that that'll make it even more interesting for you. Right yeah, on. So if anyone wants to know, they can ask me in person. Okay, perfect. But yeah, that one really hit me for that because I I wanted that one to be longer. Yeah. I was even thinking, I'd love to read like a novel kind of about oh. this guy. Uh, yeah, that one really hit me because uh, you know, like I've had a lot of history in my life as far I used to run a youth group. Okay. For years, I was on a youth council at an Anglican church, and I was very religious, hardcore religious. Things kind of flipped the other way for me. I was going to say. Yeah, things flipped extremely differently over a few years. It wasn't like one night I woke up and was like, I feel completely differently now. This was growth through being a teenager and getting into your 20s and stuff. But regardless, that because I almost have a tiny bit of animosity towards the church and stuff, that made me root for him even more. Right. Right? So I'm just like, I just want this to turn out for this guy. You feel so bad. And then you just punch me in the face. You're like, not happening. Yeah. I'm a little personally biased too because I love a happy ending. I understand in the world how you're not, you know, not everything's a happy ending. I just, right. I'm also, admittedly, I've never been a huge horror guy. Well, that's, that's why. Because yeah. the only difference, the main thing that separates the horror genre from others it never gets better for the main character, or almost never. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's why it was really hard for me personally. I'm so sorry. It's okay, but... Poor Tom Malcolm. All that coming together just solidifies how well you did, how fantastic it was. Like, you know, oh, I enjoyed the you. whole book and everything, but that one really got me. Yeah, that's definitely one of uh, that one and uh, His Majesty Volume, or Part 2, was kind of my Rod Serling pieces. Right. Yeah. You know, I got to play him a little bit yeah. and uh, do a Twilight Zone flip. Or ask, I like to ask my audience questions. Sure. Because everyone will interpret a story differently, and I don't like to um, read to my audience, I guess, or talk, or speak at my audience, or talk. You know what I mean? I want yeah. them to yeah. interpret it, question, and make their own interpretation of um, these characters, or, you know, what do you think is what I want to ask my audience. Yeah, for and, sure. You know, however they interpret it, I mean, it's your story now. Well, I like when I'm reading something and it, and it gives you the time to question things. Yeah. Like I, like you say, it's not just being read to me. Thanks, Alan. Um, <laughs> it's you are thinking while you're reading it. Those are my favorites. When you're like, where's this gonna happen? And you start guessing. Yeah. Right. You start trying to guess where the story's gonna go. Then I know I'm into it. Then I know I'm enthralled. Right. Yeah. Especially with Luke. I was like, where's this going? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you kind of went crazier than I thought it was going to go at the end. You know, I thought it'd be a little more Rod Sterling, but then you kind of, at the end, you're like, Take it up and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I like to do that too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you notice that one starts out with a question, and um, there are other chapters that start out with questions too, but, you know, right off the bat, I'm like, you know, I want to gift these stories 
to people and say, here you go, I'm going to ask you a question, you know, and you tell me. You know, I like doing that. Yeah. Well, when you wrote them, was it individual or were you working on several stories at once? Uh, they were individual. Yeah? You know, it took me about six months, yeah. so like a month per story. And um, I never sit down or set out to write a certain particular story. Like, I'm not like, oh, this is going to be a cult of Scorgy Rock piece, or this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a demonic piece or anything like that. And uh, it's funny that you should mention the church, because you had said to me that uh, something to the effect of... I said it confirmed my atheism. Yes, it, it did. Yeah. And I, I said, it's funny, because this is all... My faith was a catalyst. Right. You know, because I grew up Pentecostal. Right. So, um, and Pentecostal is sort of, uh, it's got a lot of paranormal elements to it, a lot of fire and brimstone, and that's what I grew up with, and that's where the interdimensional being thing came in. Can you invite other interdimensional beings into your waking realm? Well, can you? I think so. I think you can will things into existence, and I think you can invite things in. Um, and the Pentecostal faith believes that too, so. I, I totally feel that. Like, I don't want to say, like, me not having any faith doesn't mean that I don't believe there's something more. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I totally feel what you're saying, because I believe that too. I believe there's tons of crap. You believe in good and evil? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe Yeah, in you don't have to be any sort of denomination or claim to faith yeah. to, uh, to believe that. Yeah, I believe in, if you want to call them, other realms, other dimensions, whatever. Yeah. All whack stuff. There's so much whack stuff out there we don't understand, oh, yeah. right? So, you know, I never want to be as arrogant to say there's absolutely no God, there's absolutely, you know, bullshit to all this, but you still got to remain open-minded, you know, even so do you, do you fancy yourself more agnostic? No, I'm an atheist. All right. Yeah, but... Like, I'm, I didn't say that. No, no. What I mean is... But I say as an atheist is I don't believe in God as the man-made idea of God. Okay. I, I don't believe in what we have created. So I don't believe in the Bible and all these earthly religions. Doesn't mean there's not a higher intelligence or a higher plane or a higher power that okay. may be influencing us in ways we don't know. Like maybe some would call it an angel, like you say, like there's an angel walking, watching your back. I, I don't want to say I believe in karma, but I kind of do. Yeah. Like lightly. Like I don't think directly what you put into life, you're going to come back as a cockroach if you're an asshole kind of thing. Right. But you get what you get. Right? So if you spread it out positivity... And Tom positivity, Malcolm gave what he got. Exactly. Which yeah. was hate. Yeah. So <laughs> it's... You know, it's, it's an Absolutely. easy thing. Absolutely. You so, know, so I would say, you know, you, there's some... You have sort of a, a, a spiritual basis mm. to your beliefs, mm. but you're not religious at all. No, I think it's all. a science we don't understand. Okay. Do you know what you're I mean? You're a science guy. Yeah, oh yeah. Total science guy. And... Hail Sagan. Well, yeah, but it's hard, you know, because in one uh, in one way you can say uh, don't believe something if you can't see it, but I mean you can't see air, you know it's there. Right. So it's not so black and white for me. Like okay. the older I get, actually, the less I realize I know. So the more open my ideas are about it, right? Yeah. So that's why I love like reading stuff that you know it just makes you think, it makes yeah, you question. Perspective. Yeah, perspective. It's all comes down to perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So like did. So did you go idea by idea, or did you like kind of were they coming up as you wrote one? Like which one did you start with, and how did you decide? Real life people and conversations, um, you know, were catalysts for me. Like uh, if we were to go story by story, I could tell you what the catalysts were right, for right. each one. Um, but I remember Luke, the first one. My friend Christy, who is actually very, you know, 
uh, she's not Christian, she's a terror reader. She's very spiritual, um, believes in higher planes of existence and so forth. And she said something that stuck with me. I grew up haunted. What a now, thing to say. Emotionally or did she mean she haunted? Was, well, she was very in, drawn to uh, anything occultist. And okay. she felt that something maybe influenced her or um, she always had a higher awareness. Okay. So she's like, either beings were around her. She, she didn't quite understand. But she knows she grew up haunted. Okay. I'm like, I'm, I'm the, that stuck with me. So I'm yeah. like, okay, how do you grow up haunted? Well, I'll write a story of how you grow up haunted. That could be taken so many ways. Exactly. It's such a general word. Like when you hear the word haunted and people say that guy was haunted, like say a famous comedian or, or Robin Williams. Let's take for example. Yeah. A lot of people say he was probably haunted. Yeah. And in that By way, depression. Exactly, right? Yeah. But I mean, you could take that so many ways that really interestingly open for interpretation, you know? By actual ghosts or bad memories. I mean, haunted takes on a, that's a, a broad spectrum mm -hmm. of definition. So, exactly. uh, yeah, yeah, I I was excited when she said that. I thought, that's sticking with me. Mm. It is. And that is why, and her name is Christy. Okay. And so I named her Christine O'Brien. Uh, the paranormal psychologist. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And she was over the moon when I told her that you know she really influenced the story. So. <laughs> oh, it's very sweet. Well, that's the best thing you could ever draw from is your own life and your yeah. own experiences. I'm very blessed to be surrounded by the people I am, and they really fuel my stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. they really do. It's uh. So what was the trigger? What was the moment that you were like, I'm gonna write? You know, I have been, I've been writing since a very young age, and in my early twenties or rather late teens, I was going to go to college and I wanted to be a journalist. I didn't know where I wanted to take it, but I knew that writing was my thing. I was naysayed out of it by people who, you know, were, were scared for me because it is kind of a, oh, an iffy career risky. path. Yeah, yeah and uh, it's not by any fault of theirs, it's my fault that I sort of fed into that and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to school for business. I haven't done anything with it. <laughs> did you finish it though? Like I did. Yeah. I have a management degree. Ooh, yeah. Okay. It's all based on common sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I went into skill trades, and I, I, my day job. I love doing massage. I love doing aesthetics. Uh, but writing, it, it never left me. It never did. And I was blogging, um, you know, about certain matters, of, you know, that dealt with comics and comic cons, because that was, you know, a love of mine and giving my perspective. And it was Tony Maiello. Of Rocketing Studios, uh, who's also an illustrator. Yep, Facebook.com <laughs> slash Art of Tony Maiello. Um, he said, you know, I, I see you writing a fiction. You can do it. I go, I don't touch fiction. I don't do that. You know, I'm a satire kind of gal. I like to make people laugh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I remember, because I started blogging an original sci-fi on my website, chapter by chapter, month by month, called The Prophecy Effect. And I had heard a song... Um, that I used to hear at a massage place I worked at. It's an instrumental called Something Happened Here by Lunds. And it was very haunting and ominous. And I started to write, and I started to write the first chapter. And I just, I wrote what I would sing in my mind as, as I heard the music. And I'm like, okay, this is writing fiction. This is it. And then I would go back, and I would re-edit, and it took me hours and hours and hours just to write that one chapter. 
and I'm like, I, I can do this. I can do this. Tony was right. So I, I owe him a lot of gratitude. And actually, Peace of Madness, he has a dedication in there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because uh, he uh, allowed, he published, you know, Pieces of Madness, Directing Studios, and I'm so grateful for that, that they gave me a chance. Yeah. So uh, a lot of these you're seeing is my first works, like Dollface. Mm -hmm. That was the very first horror story I've ever written. That's why it's wow. so short. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, that's pretty long. People are like, why was that story so short? I'm like, I, I just started. Right? I just started, you guys. <laughs> you know? Well, you know what's one, one great thing about horror is uh, it lends itself so well to short stories. Absolutely. You know, you can go one way or the other. I remember when I was young, I was in grade six when I first read It. Yeah. And it took me all summer. I mean, that book's massive. That's a thousand plus pages. Yeah. It. And I'm in grade six. You know, and I'm a good reader, but still, I'm, I'm young. It took me all summer. It took yeah. me like two months of the summer reading, like, till I fell asleep. Yeah, like, how night. much longer can I be scared now? Yeah, <laughs> you totally. Know? But then it can be very, very effective if it's bam. Right, you know, like, exactly. You ever, I'm sure you've seen those one-sentence horror stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, like my, my daughter started talking in her sleep. She doesn't know Arabic. Yeah. What the shit is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that... I love those. The yeah. shorter it is, the more it makes you question, like, oh, 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 what do you mean? Like, what? Yeah. Huh? Where did she learn that? You know? Again, leaving you with questions. Yeah, yeah. It's See, I enjoy that kind of thing. That's why I was always more of like a Twilight Zone kid. I was oh, never like a girl. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and that, I, that was me too. I did like Freddy, but I think why I liked Freddy so much is because he was so cerebral. You oh know? yeah, you I can't mean, get away from him. No, no, and the look is cool, and it's just in its own, like yeah. the image of Freddy with the glove and everything. And a lot of people forget that in the first movie, you hardly see Freddy. In the first Nightmare on Elm Street, he's always in the shadows or off, and that one was even freaky. But you're right, you can't get away. No what you do, you know? Whatever so. you do, don't yeah. fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's why I think I was freaked out a lot by zombies when I was a kid. They were my number one scary thing. Uh, when I first saw Thriller, I couldn't handle it. Like, yeah. I was that freaky. When they're all just coming at you and, like, and being enclosed in like a room or whatever. Oh, yeah, that claustrophobia feeling of the undead. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I remember Thriller scared me as a kid. I mean, it really did. I, yeah. you know, watch with one eye open kind of thing. Um, but I remember my dad had me watch Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, which is now a cult classic. I'm not familiar. Oh, it's about um, a bunch of theater kids, you know, that go to an island where there's a graveyard and they're going to summon the undead. Well, uh, they had another thing coming. Yeah. And uh, they, they were successful. And uh, it, it's loose from there, but uh, definitely not something you want to show a kid, but you know what? It influenced me a lot. Yeah. My dad is the reason I am who I am. So. You're, yeah, you talk very, very highly about your father. It's a yeah. tight relationship, eh? <laughs> yep, see, I'm total daddy's girl. I'd sure, love sure. to see that. I never knew my dad well. Like, I knew him, who he was, but mm -hmm. I didn't grow up. I never knew him. He was just problems, right? Those typical deadbeat dads. <clears throat> I was lucky that I had a stepdad who was cool around all my life, but we're just very different personality-wise. Not that there were clashes, but... He was a, you know, jock, jock, don't talk too much kind of guy, whereas I was a little fat, gothic drama kid, right? Oh my god, so, you were me? <laughs> oh no. Casey, still trying to track down pictures. I had hair that Edward Scissorhands would have been jealous over. Rob, Robert oh Smith god. would have asked me, how'd you do this? <laughs> Epic. 
monstrous. I would die. Awesome. I died at either jet black or blue black for years, and I just teased it and cans of hairs. Just monstrous girls coming down the front, you know. You're so gothic, you shit bad. Oh yeah, black <laughs> eyeliner, black trench coat, awesome. the boots, you know. Like I was '90s kid, you know. It was all about just the cure and everything. For That's me. cool though. Yeah. So you know, we didn't get along tons. So now that I have a son, and because you know, it could go one way or the other. You could either just take after your father, or you could go the opposite and not want to be your father. Luckily for me, is all I care about is being the best possible father I can to this kid, right? So in a way, that motivated me. Even though it was a tragic thing my entire life, it's going to benefit my kid. Right. You know, so I can teach him to be who he is and just encourage, just being there, right? Yeah, you turn sort of a, a tragedy into a triumph. Well, you have to. So, I mean, I'm so blessed and that's all I ever care about. But my only stress in life is it might be a good enough father. You know, so it's like, you're a lucky person. So that's I think you, are, you already have that self-sacrificial mindset, you know, yeah. and that's the most self-sacrificing job there is and you you know you uh, you already want better for him oh yeah like so. I don't question my father like I'm a good dad I know that yeah, yeah. you know but it's the stress of making sure you always are and always being on top uh, of it because they're always learn every minute of their existence they're learning something oh yeah so you know it's it's really tricky it was really bad the other day something happened in the car and someone cut me off or something and I was just like shit I hear out of the back seat, Daddy, how do you say shit? And I was just like, oh, no. Oh, you know, I felt horrible. But it was, you, know, you can't beat yourself up too much, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so exactly. your dad was just always there and like, go, go, kiddo, for whatever you needed to he, do. Oh, he still is. Yeah? He still, you know, he'd be, tomorrow he'd be like, you know what, I want to join the circus. He'd be like, you swallow that sword and you breathe that fire. That's my daughter. Yeah. You know, that's my dad. So you're a lot of like them, too, as well as, like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My dad, uh, he's a sci-fi horror guy. He's one who is into reading about astral projection, and, you know, he, he's a kind of out-there dude, but, you know, very understanding, very passionate about everything he does, he does to the maximum. Right. You know, and that's how I am. You know, we do it to the extreme. Yeah, absolutely. And, um... Yeah, both my parents, you know, like, hey, whatever you want to do, you know what? He must have been so proud of the book then. Oh my god, my daughter wrote a book! (laughs) You know, and my dad's from Georgia, I'd be like, you know, my my daughter, she she wrote wrote a book, you know? I don't know, I I can't say the way he does. Yeah. But, uh... Did you say Jordan? No, uh, Georgia. Oh, Georgia. I was going to be like, Georgia. So he's got he's got a slight draw of him. Like... It, sometimes I think maybe he'll like forget the name of the book and be like, that you know that that horror book girl, you tell this guy about it. Tell him, tell him. Right, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Did you just carry copies around with him. <laughs> <laughs> he, if I if I gave it to him, he would. He would. Yeah, he's like that. So it's been an exciting year then, because it's been about a year. Or how long has it been out now? Yeah, about a year. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it, it did be, uh, not only better than I expected, it did very well. And uh, I couldn't ask for more. Yeah, well, I mean, you were very smart about, you know, your promoting and presenting of it. You made, always made it clear about how important it was to you. Oh, yeah. You know, that's something that stuck out to me. So a lot of people just try to push their thing about what it is. But I like you guys, like, you were smarter where they're like, look, 
this is my thing, this is what it is, isn't that cool, but check out how much also, how much fun I had doing it, oh, how yeah. much support I had doing it. Yeah, passion, like, you know, passion sells too, you know, yeah. and uh, my main thing was, okay, I am at a Comic-Con. I do not have illustrations in my book. This is not a graphic novel. This is a novella. I have one product, so I have to push it to the maximum. Instagram was actually my where I got my biggest fan base. Really? You know, with has, you had to provide people with visuals. Why do I want to buy this book? Well, you're not. I'm not going to sit here and read it to you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, but um, I embodied characters and I dressed up like them and I gave little quotes and provided music and I'm like this is why this is what's in the book because yeah. I see books you know novellas and novels at comic cons and you know like well what are they gonna do flip through a few pages and you know oh they're so hard at cons for authors is you're, I always look at authors as the guys with the hardest selling like the authors at a comic con it's really really hard to get people interested you in have, reading you have to have a really really good pitch but here's the thing it's a, an advantage and a disadvantage at the same time, and I always say this. With a comic, um, you know, you pick it up, you look through a few pages. If you are not aesthetically pleased in the first couple pages, you know whether or not you're going to buy it. If you sit there and flip the book, and I, you know, I tell you, you, know, you can take a gamble on this and here's why. This is exactly what it is, you know, and for 10 bucks, why wouldn't you take a gamble on that? Yeah, for sure. You know? It, you know, it's hard because I've read so many comics where the story's great, the art is shake, or vice versa. Right. You know, so it can be iffy with a comic, but you're totally right. I mean, people just look at it within the first few pages, but you got no real, like, pictures to look at as an author. So, and I, I ask some questions first, just like in my book. Uh, are you a horror fan? Well, what, what kind of horror do you like? And I will tell them honestly if they will like the book or not. Sure. And I tell them, you know, it's a, a Clive Barker meets a Twilight Zone. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's... Totally that. That's yeah, exactly. you know, I go. It's definitely yeah. a gore piece. If gore's not your thing, you won't like it. But yeah. you know what? Um, if you want to take a chance on something like that, and I always, I always want feedback too, and I make it about them because it is about them. Right. This is about you know your fans or your, uh, your customers, and I say you know this is my email. I want to hear what you think, positive or negative. Mm -hmm. I want to grow too, and uh, I want you to like my work. Well, I can't wait to see where you grow to because. I mean, after reading the book, especially, okay, I don't want to say especially, because that makes it not sound as good as it is, but for a first time out, like your first, you know, release of something, mm -hmm. it's incredible. Well, thank you so, that, that means you know, the world to me, especially coming from you, And thank I'll you. be honest with you, I'm not saying there weren't parts where, I, I don't want to say this because I'm not like a professional reviewer, critique, I'm not even a writer, so for me, I feel like, keep your mouth shut, but I, I'll be honest with you and be like, I saw little parts where, you know, there's going to be growth, and there's going to be, you know, you're going to learn to do things a little differently, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I go back and I'm like, oh, man, I would have written it like this, or I should change this later on. Right, but, right. you know, that's, these you are testaments. You take that put it into the next thing, though, right? Exactly. Yeah, you can't just exactly. keep going over with something you did, right? Well, hell, I have a piece in Alan, or Alan Moore, Aaron Moore's yes. upcoming anthology uh, about nightmares, and... John Marikin is going to illustrate it. Very cool. And I wrote it six months ago, and I'm like, oh, before I send it, you know, I'm going to look over it. I was embarrassed. I'm like, <laughs> what in the world is this? I go, no, 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 no. This is so corny. This dialogue, oh, it's not going to work. Yeah. So, and that was just six months ago. And how so, far that time. Yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, I was, I was proud of myself for that, but I'm so glad I didn't just straight up send it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's done. Oh, hell no, it ain't. <laughs> oh, shit, look at this. 
yeah, it's always weird reading the old stuff. I recently found uh, a book in grade six. Our teacher gave us a project, and she said, you're going to write a novel. And we're like, what are you talking about, right? She's like, you're going to write a novel. And this is going to be what we're going to do all year. So, you know, we're going to do daily classes and lessons, but the only homework you're going to have is to work on this novel for the entire year, grade six. So, you know, you spent like the first week, like, just picking a topic, outline, characters, kind of what you want to do, you know, hashing it out. Uh-huh. And then literally, we worked on it all, all fucking year. So, I found this book, and I had done a Western. At the time in grade six, I was huge into Westerns. I was Billy the Kid, all that shit. That's all I cared about, yeah. right? So, I decided to write a Billy the Kid story. So... That's what I did for the year. So basically, I can't, it was a lot of pages. Like if you had to sit down and read it right now, it'd be like reading a novella. Yeah, it's probably not quite as long as Pieces of Madness, but pretty long. Yeah. For a grade six kid, this was insane. I was like, I, I always remember this project because of how nuts it was to give to sixth graders, right? That's an awesome yeah, assignment. Yeah, it's insane. So. Yeah, and then we had to write the book, we had to do three drafts, we had to edit it, we had to make a cover, we had to draw a cover, we had to learn how a book's line out is, uh, is laid out as far as copyright and, you know, all the little bits and this and that. Yeah, it's incredible. It was insane. Then she laminated all the covers and put them all together and had them printed as books. So by the end of the year, everybody had their own little, like, novella they'd written. That's awesome. So I found it the other day and decided to, you know, flip through it and give it a read. I was really impressed with myself. I could not believe how good it was. I was like, I don't know yeah. if I can write this good now. Like, I really don't know if I can write that good now. And it's just a Billy the Kid story. Because you weren't, you know what, you weren't overthinking it. That's why. And you were writing something you were passionate about. Well, as I heard Dirk earlier telling me some advice he'd given to somebody, write how you talk. Yeah. That's what I did when I was in grade six. That's what anybody does in grade yeah. six. You write how you talk. Yeah. It turned out so good. So I read this thing and I was like, son, come here. And I read it to my kid and my right. kid liked it. And yeah, it's a whacked out project to do. So now it's got me thinking. Now yeah. It's like, I'm start doing more stuff. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool, that teacher, because yeah. you have something to be proud of. This is You Kitmer. know, you did this. If anybody out there from the L5G remembers, this is Kidmer, grade six, Hillside. <laughs> Represent. Really, yeah, yeah, really, really <laughs> that, cool that's stuff. That's awesome. That's and you got to see your growth. You found out strengths and weaknesses. You got to write about something you were passionate about. Yeah. that's really, really cool. A, they should do that more often. They should do that. I thought it was a great idea. That's you know? awesome. Because I missed out on a lot of things. I was a stupid teenager, and I didn't. I went a really bad way in life for a while, and uh, just drugs and the whole bad scene, right? So I gave up on all the things I'd ever grown up wanting to do, and that was acting and filmmaking all I ever wanted to do. It's all that mattered to me. And I was so entrenched in it until I was a teenager that I kind of forgot the passion of it, like how important it was to me. Yeah. So I kind of let it go to the side. Just kind of started partying and doing stupid stuff, right? So then eventually you pull your life back together. Yeah. I had to do pull up your bootstraps and fix everything for a few years. Yeah. Now I'm older, wiser, life is great. You know, I found oddly another weird as that little drama goth kid grows up to be a tree climber for some fucking reason right? <laughs> which I do love I'm very passionate about that I can tell to me it's a craft it, it really is, is. it's it an really art is. form into itself right yeah. and so that was great get my life back in order but I started feeling 
Still something missing. Yeah. Still something more. I wanted. I feel like I should be doing something more. Right. She starts searching and exploring, and then along comes this podcasting thing. Yeah. And I'm like, this sounds like fun. And I was just a fan in the beginning, and it was typical. Kevin Smith, Joe Rogan, Nerdist. You know, I just listened to the big ones. Yeah. And I was like, this is absolutely incredible. These guys are just talking. It's on the internet. It's free. It's unregulated. They're just talking. Yes. You know? Conversation. Which I've always loved. I'm obviously a blabbermonger. Right. right. We're doing great, Alex. Thank you, sir. And, uh, yeah, I was doing great. It's like, oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I've listened to podcasts for like a year or two, and I'm like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to do one. Right? So, me and my buddy started a podcast. And instantly hooked, not just the conversation, that's the fun part. You know, us sitting here talking, that's the best part of it. But then I had to learn how to edit. Yeah. Then I had to learn how to sound, audio. Posting websites, I do not. I could barely use Facebook six <laughs> years ago, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, I got to start learning. A lot of late nights YouTube tutorials about WordPress and Audacity, and just started filling me like a well. Like I just got this rush of satisfaction. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's that uh, filmmaker. Yeah. You know, that the editing yeah. just hooked me. My earlier episodes, a lot of people have been way back, you know, I mean, this is going to be episode 168, Woo. I think, yeah, so three years ago, you know, and uh, I used to put a lot as far as like, not sound effects, but like clips and little stuff into the show, uh-huh. just because I love to edit, like my favorite part of it was editing, right? Yeah. So somebody would make something, a joke about a movie or something, I would put that movie clip in there. That's or awesome. just sounds or music, you know, yeah. to go under things, you know. And it just, I couldn't believe how happier I got in general. It bled into the rest of my life. It's just, things felt balanced all of a sudden. Aww. And rather than being stuck in a place of wonderment, like trying to figure out where you're going to go, yeah. all of a sudden I saw this path. And it all it came just together. clear, right? Uh, and isn't that what we're all looking for? Exactly. Balance? Yeah. All of us. We're all yeah. looking for balance. I'm think, still looking for it. I think that's my biggest goal in life. The thing I think about most is balance. Yeah. Because I've learned there's, it's, everything's gray. It's not always black and white. And there has to be balance. Yeah. You know? And that's hard for me because I'm an extremist. Yeah. So I like to see, I see things in black and white as a... Uh, a defense mechanism sure and uh, that's not good either right, right but so I try to find that balance and I try to find those gray areas and be like well it you know I used to hate thought killing cliches I understand why people use them like it is what it is yeah. I'm like well, well what is it you know no 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 yeah you know but. it's actually a very zen saying like you could dissect that simple little saying it's a means of letting it go killing the thought I'm like no let's come back to this I'm, I'm totally you know I, yeah. I'm learning I'm learning patience yeah I'm yeah. a very impatient person sure but uh, I'm learning that yeah. I, I've learned it in the past year and uh, I've helped I've had help with that you know children help you with that let me tell you you know having kids patience comes real quick <laughs> so uh, yeah, with the balance and everything, I think that was one of my big connections to Star Wars. Oh yeah, was the importance of the balance. And, oh uh, yeah, I had a really big tragedy in my life. About, uh, I think it was five years ago. Yeah, it was five years ago. I lost my three best friends in two weeks. Oh my God. Uh, two died in a car accident, and the other died two weeks later uh, with a heart problem. 
And these weren't just like three friends. These were my three best friends. Okay? These were oh, the man. people I spent every day, right? Like brothers. These were my brothers, yeah. right? So this was a real tragic thing. Really messed me up. So now it hardened me is what it did. It made me very cold for yeah. a long time. Yeah. There was just, you know, it just put me in that state of really hardcore atheism for a while too just yeah. like I was so mad at the Angry idea atheist. of God every time someone dared say to me or offered me prayers for the lost ones all I heard in my head is well, the guy you're praying to is the one who took them like right. whether I'm right or wrong that's Bitter. just where my mind Bitterness. oh yeah I was angry oh yeah angry and it took a while I'm still I miss these guys every day right like I have a giant hole in my life ever since so that may be hard, but then I had the kids, and the kids are getting older, which softens you again. So yeah. currently I'm in a state of finding the balance of actually not wanting to lose too much of that hardness, because life is tough. Right. You gotta get through life, you know, sometimes it's suck it up, buttercup, right? There's a lot of that I feel like has been lost. Like Joe Rogan calls it the pussification of the world. It is. And it absolutely it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I am right now, where I'm like, I'd be very cold sometimes. Sometimes Aaron has to like point out to me and be like, you know, yeah, you're a little too you much need right to now. show a little love right now, or you need to, you know, be a little more understanding to right compassion now. Compassion and hardcore exactly. realism. There's something in yeah. between. There. I'm oh, an extremely absolutely. compassionate person. I was always a very sensitive boy. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. You know, I was far more concerned with getting roses for my high school girlfriend than going to class. Like I was that kid writing poetry and dyeing his hair black. But now. It's just been such a 180, and it's so that's where I'm at, you know. And it's it's hard. So, sorry, that's yeah. just a diatribe. Remember why yeah. you became calloused, and then yeah, you know, and a callous is all about it, it's healing. It a callous is. is healing. Yes. So yeah. like, you know, I have a calloused heart, yeah. but you know, scars like the. Yeah. Papa Roach song, you know. Yeah, yeah. Scars do remind us of the best. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I have a scar now, but you know what? It's a reminder, and I've moved on from that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I, I that's the thing is, I'm really trying to dissect it because I don't want to lose all the hardness. You no, know. You it's don't. also something that came uh, with my industry. Being a tree climber, you gotta be tough. Yeah. You gotta be able to work hard. You gotta be able to get hurt and take it. You gotta yeah. be able to sweat and bleed and do this all while having your brain as focused as possible so you don't die yeah <laughs> like so yeah it's you know it's a it's a tough thing you know yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. that's why if i have a son i'm gonna name him sue <laughs> you, know, you, got, you gotta How get tough or die i figure you gotta get tough or die okay well i'm gonna let you tell me about what's coming up because I know there's some things you're kind of not oh, ready man. to let out yet. Some 2016. Things, uh, it's going to be a big year. Oh yes, yes. I'm very, very excited. Very, Again, very blessed, very humbled. Uh, where do I begin? Well, the biggest thing right now, um, I'm working on a four-issue um, sci-fi series I just signed on with Source Point Press for. Um, so my first paying comic gig, yay! That's so good. It's, it's, you know, I got this opportunity and, you know, it's actually a spin-off of the Prophecy Effect. So I got to resurrect an old baby and I went through it and I'm like, how can I translate this to a comic? Because it's a lot of story and novelization form. So I'm like, okay, let's cut it down to focusing on the main character and what she does for a living. Basically, Nora is about a coma fisher. 
Um, that's what she does for a living now. Uh, a coma fisher? Yes, yeah, she will okay. fish you out of a coma. Cool. So she goes on these assignments uh, that, you know, uh, it's kind of like an underground thing. And uh, sort of like, you know, psychics and everything, you know, some people don't believe in it. But she will go into your mind's eye and she will either help you cross over, it's your decision, or she will help you stay and she will like fetch you back. like a spiritual guide sort of thing? Yes, right? absolutely, absolutely. But the way she gets these powers is from a dark past. Um, she used to work for a private sector of the government, her and her husband, um, where they would make bioweaponry. weaponry. And it didn't matter who it was, uh, innocent or not, it was a job. And they would take out whole cities sometimes, you know. Uh, so she's actually, after her husband's death, she's trying to seek redemption from that. Because she does feel um, you know, sort of bad about that dark past. But now, um, I, I won't tell you how exactly she got the yeah, power no, to do no this. No spoilers, sweet. No, no spoilers. Yeah. But she's seeking redemption, not for anyone else but herself. And so it's very rewarding that someone that took life, took lives, is now saving them. Right. Or helping them cross over. Sure. And um, so, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Are you ready to talk about who's involved in the project with you, or is that still yeah. under wraps? Yes, Sean Seal is My the illustrator. My God, you must be giddy. I am giddy. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm like, who can do dark and ominous really well? And Sean Seal is a fine artist first and you know started doing sequentials and uh, I've, I've always been a, a fan of his even though he's probably maybe said two words to me you know quite <laughs> artist dude and that's cool that's cool real nice guy yeah. and um, I still have yet to meet Sean other than just talking on Twitter and stuff yeah and we it, met briefly at Grand Con real briefly okay yeah, yeah mainly communicate through Facebook but um he sent me uh, a characterization uh, of Nora and I just I'll never get used to that. Describing something to an illustrator and then just bringing it to life. It, yeah. I, I'm in tears every single time. It's horrible. Like, I'm crying. <laughs> well, he must seriously believe in it because Sean just doesn't do anything. And, yeah. And, you know, that's an extreme talent there. So I'm very excited and Sean for was you. so geeked when he read yeah? the first script. And so was Travis. And I was like, people like my stuff? Oh, yeah. Because I was hit, send on the email and then hide behind the couch. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, what are they going to think of me? Um, no, they're like, it's solid. It's good, you know? Yeah. And Travis don't bullshit. So that's cool. That's no. Travis McIntyre, of course. Well, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah who yeah. does Up the River from Source Point Up Press. Up the River was great. Yes, that it was. was great, great book. Those guys were a pleasure to have on. Too. Well, you know what? I got the prototype of that book a long time ago. That's uh, how Travis and I met back when I was doing comic reviews. Yeah, yeah. And it was so funny because I was, you know, it was my second comic review I ever did and he's like, well, can I send you my comic? You know, very sweet, very humble. I'm like, yeah, here's my address. <laughs> so he sent it to me in a manila envelope and with a note saying, thank you so much. I still have that letter to this day and that's how we became friends. So when I signed the book to him, I was actually in tears. I'm like, I can't believe we're making our dreams happen. Yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. we've known each other for so long now. Um, well, what do you think it is about Michigan? This Michigan militia. Yeah, as like, you had put it, yeah, and I think it's this, perfect. Yeah, this well, no, it's just the fact that everybody's an uprise, so man. supportive. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're a family, dude. And I don't think there's any other metro area 
uh, that you'll find that has such a close-knit con family no, like won't. we do. At least not that I've been around to. No, yeah. and I think there's a Midwestern thing too. Do you know, I used it as an example. Uh, recently at Fan Expo, I had the pleasure of moderating a panel, a self-publishing panel with uh, Jay Fosgett, mm. Ted Woods, and Jules Faulkner. Mm. Uh, do you know Jules Faulkner? No. She's actually a London, Ontario artist, and okay. she's good friends with Jay. Lovely, lovely lady. So, uh, very outspoken, too. And uh, there's actually a few times on the panel, Ted said some stuff, and she was like, oh, I'd have to disagree, Ted. It was really fun. But Love in, it. in the, uh, the thing about Toronto is it's so huge, right? Uh-huh. Like, fourth biggest city in North America. So, obviously, you've got huge communities. Mm-hmm. And there are little sections of these kind of little militias that help each other out and are yeah, very sure. supportive but there's not like a Toronto identity because it's so massive but metropolitan right. so what I'm doing the panel is the audience is really into it packed house too it was really cool I actually started explaining what it's like here and how Michigan works and you know the support structure and all this stuff and I said to them I'm encouraging you not to try to get to the top but who's around you Who's your friends? Who you like? Who you support? Try and grow this organically. And I just try to give examples of what it's like when I come here, what I see, what I feel, and just try to take a bit of it home with me. Yeah. And you know, because you know, you like to see that in your community. And it was cool because in the same year this year, I actually happened to notice it start to happen, where it is starting to come together. Yeah. Because there's some, like, one part of Michigan is just the talent. Like, just ridiculous artists here. Stupid amounts of talent. And I'm starting to see in Toronto them finding each other. Yeah. Right? And uh, I had a really moment, almost put me in tears. Because there's, there's a couple little after parties after Fan Expo, but nothing really official or serious, you know? So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to put something together. So there's a little bar called the Loose Moose. And the year before, we had uh, a few of us just ended up there, and we were hanging out with Stegman and Tony Maiello, and we all just happened to pick this bar. So it turned into a really fun night. So this year, I made a point. I went around and told all my friends and the people I know, right? And I went to Sean Daly, and I was like, what do you think? Where should we go? Blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me and went, dude, you're the reason everyone knows each other. And I was, he's like, you tell us where to go. And I yeah. was like, you know what? I, I, Cause there's, you know, there's not a lot of like Toronto podcasts as far as comics or scene. Right. So I was like, you know, and I can, I can get more involved. But you are the voice. Exactly. Of I can, all these artists. So I think next year I'm actually going to try to make it more of an official thing and actually maybe, you know, go to the place, reserve the room, make up some flyers and pass them out to the chosen people or whatever, right? Uh-huh. Like not an open invite, but you know how we do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like the crew goes out. Yeah, so and we wanna, know who's a part of the crew. Exactly. So I kind of want to do that next year, and I'm starting to see it happen. And I'm starting to see this little kind of core grow. And I think one of the proudest things I've done is help bring Sean Daly to the world. Just yeah. this ridiculously nice individual, super talented. Now I come to Michigan. I don't know if you've heard of him, but a lot of people have here. Now. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's only been drawing for three years. He used to be in a band. He's like, I want to draw. Quit yeah. the band and started drawing. 
and yeah. he's incredible. That's why even you know artists are really shy people of my nature yeah, normally, yeah, yeah. but uh, I encourage them do all the interviews you can. Even if you think you have nothing to talk about, don't worry about that. You just answer the questions. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. it. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about just getting your name out there, yeah, and that's yeah. what it's all about. You know, and I think writers do that better than illustrators. This is true. I mean, look at Dirk. He never shuts up, so. Dirk is a bit of an anomaly, though. Like, I still don't get it. Like, I get it, but, like, (laughs) I don't get it. Like, okay, so, uh, I moderated that right or wrong panel at Motor City with him last year. Right. Very honored to be the first moderator he's ever had. We recorded it for the show. That episode did 400 times sorry no it did four times any episode I've ever done it was a monstrous so, episode so, so make sure you tag him in this episode yeah, and, uh, I tag him in every episode <laughs> even if you don't mention his he, name <laughs> he wrote the foreword for yeah, Pieces yeah, of yes, Madness yes, you yeah. graced me with a beautiful foreword too. well I think a lot of it was the friends uh, the support group for Dirt Manning you know the Facebook group yeah I think it was that I put it on there and it exploded. Oh yeah! And uh, he's got such a hardcore following of like interesting, interesting people. And just to know, just to have watched him grow it, is, yeah, it's cool, man. He's a great example of things too. Oh, so. absolutely. You know, he's he's my sensei. I always say that. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. he's. I, I'm not letting him miss Toronto next year. There's no way. There's he has too much to give that I think Toronto needs. Oh yeah. I really do. I think Toronto needs. Toronto a needs Dirk Manning. He needs an injection of Dirk motherfucking Manning. That's what that's what Toronto needs. Yeah, so, I know some jokes yeah. he'd make if you were here right now. I just heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get to do some court, uh, karaoke tonight. Yes, absolutely. And that should be fun. It so. will be. Oh. I- can I talk about John Mannerkeen for a minute? Yeah, of course. Go and speaking on. of shy illustrators who almost never do interviews, John Mannerkeen. Yeah. Uh, I'm work- I just wrote a graphic novel for him based on a character that it was his baby, God, I want to say 15 years ago. Right. Uh, he had wow. a prototype comic, and I gave this character an origin story. Very happy about it. I learned so much about Aztec history, I could probably teach a class. Uh, it was my baby the whole summer, Mushika. It will be coming out, we hope, by October of 2016 to reveal it for New York Comic Con. Perfect. It's a graphic novel. It's a sci-fi meets uh, Conan the Barbarian. What? Yeah. Nice. I listened to the Conan soundtrack the whole time I was writing it. That I would wake up in the morning, set my feet on the floor, ready for war because I heard those drums in my head. Music, you know? music comes into it a lot for you, eh? Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. provides a visual. Absolutely. I just... Uh, Episode before last, two episodes ago, I had a guy named Phil Buck uh-huh. who I met in Denver, and he does a comic called Those Shadow People. He also has a band called Those, Those Shadow, Shadow People. Oh, now, cool. without it being too much like this, and you won't mind me saying this because he is a little influenced by it, but it's almost the gorillas type thing. Oh yeah. Except there's a comic book, right? Ah. So, so the music and the comic are not joined. It's not like a literal soundtrack for the comic. Oh, yeah. But they both come from the same well of inspiration. Absolutely. Right? So you can listen to the music while you're reading the comic, and it sets your mood. Absolutely. So rather than like a soundtrack where, you know, the beats are hitting the movements or whatever, as you're you're reading the book, 
you put the band on and it sets the mood for the book you're reading. Absolutely. And it's really, really cool That's stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. Glad, you know what? Did you see on the, the picture I put up of the soundtrack for uh, each story in Madness? I don't think I did. No. no. Well, if you notice, in Sins of the Father, yeah. uh, there are lyrics to Take Me to Church. Oh really? Absolutely. Okay. Look for them. All right. Look for nice, 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 nice. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a little task for you kids. Yeah. There you go. There's some homework there. I love multimedia mixing. I love that shit. Oh like, hell yeah! That's what together. it's all about, you know. And that—that's. I mean, before this podcast, we were talking about uh, pop culture and comics. Uh, you know, throwing mud at one another. No, no, this is a beautiful marriage. You're missing a huge opportunity. We should be feeding off of each other. Absolutely. So from yeah. music to movies goes back to indie comics, indie comics goes back to music and movies, you know. Um, so stop all the mudslinging, you know. Well, I think the hard part, the core of it is that the general populace doesn't understand how this is their lives. This is, these artists are not just on the weekend getting a table. A lot of them are, this is it. This yeah. is what they have chosen to risk doing, yeah. throw their lives into, and it's it's everything to them. Yeah. So please go out there, spend a twenty bucks or ten bucks on. And you know we're all so sick of you know these movie remakes. I keep hearing that, and I'm like, okay, you're sick of you know the Marvel, the DC movies. You know, after a while they're all going to be the same. Look to indie. This is your tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I do think there's room for it all because I'm one of those guys who's like. I love independent comics. Uh-huh. I love original stories. I love hearing the passion that people have put into this. Uh-huh. Then there's the other side of me. Batman. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm just the biggest DC nerd in the world. I'm the yeah. huge DC Again, fan. going back to that balance yes, that we talked yes, about. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. We should all be feeding off of each other. You know what? I should feed off of Batman, take the darkness elements of Batman, and yeah. turn it into a whole new story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me, I just, like, okay, uh, do you watch Gotham at all? you ever seen Gotham? I watched the first two episodes. Okay. Spoiler for anybody who's out there watching and doesn't want to know, but the last episode of Gotham with some of the finest writing, or sorry, the finest Batman writing I've ever heard in any medium. Any medium. That's what I keep hearing. So basically, Bruce Wayne's like 14, I think. 13 or 14, right? And uh, spoilers, sweeties, right now. So he discovers behind his fireplace that his father, Thomas Wayne, had a secret room. So you kind of think it's the Batcave, which it kind of is, yet it's only one room, it's not like a big cave kind of thing. Right. And in that room is uh, a computer. And it turns out this is where his dad had all his secrets, all Gotham secrets, like everything Bruce has been trying to figure out why his parents are dead is on this computer. So he's trying to figure it out, how it works. Alfred comes in and smashes the shit out of the computer with a baseball bat. And Bruce just falls to the ground, like in agony, like crying in tears, just like fucking, you just see this rage come over his fucking face, right? Okay. And then he stops. He goes clear and clean. No, his face goes emotionless. He looks up at Alfred and he says, you're fired. And he sends Alfred away. So then there's a couple scenes where Alfred's like, Alfred comes in with his bags. He's like, all right, Master Bruce, I'm ready to leave. You know, he's kind of waiting for Bruce to be like, no, Alfred, don't go, don't go. And Bruce is just cold, cold as fuck. He's like, 
thank you. He hands him an envelope and he's like, here's your severance. Thank you for your services. Good luck. It was just so cool, right? Yeah. And just, and, and John, or uh, Sean Pertwee played it so well, too. Just felt the hurt in him, you know? Like, yeah. And because uh, this was his life, he's been entrusted with this boy, right? So. Alfred leaves and he's so hesitant and he finally leaves and Bruce is just like goodbye like just fucking no emotion so, yeah, and then, hey yeah. I, I felt that just from you telling yeah, me yeah. about it so he, uh, and then Alfred you see him sitting in the train station and he's just like just you can see he's broken right? yeah and because uh, his whole idea was he smashed the computer because he didn't want Bruce getting involved with that shit he's trying to protect him that's his job right and uh, so Bruce comes into the train station and he sits down beside him he says, I don't want you to leave, but if you ever defy me in any way in that way again, you're done. And he's like, you know, this is not an option. This is what's happening. I've got a mission, yeah. and you're going to follow it if you want to come back. So, but then he said, you know, I will abide by your rules, Alfred, if you train me. Because he's ex-British SAS, you know, he's okay. like an ex-British spy, right? Yeah. Which is kind of influenced from Earth 2 Batman. Which was a graphic novel where when his parents die, uh, Alfred is like a badass British spy, and he teaches Bruce to become Batman. Oh, so that's nice. where they're going with the show. Oh, cool! So they make a deal, and Bruce says, "You train me, I'll follow your rule. Right. If not, goodbye. Because this is the mission. If you ever interfere with this mission again, it's over." And it was just like I'm not doing it as much justice if you watched it. But just as far as finding the heart of what is Batman, they just nailed it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Nailed it. Like, no black, no white, no gray, no nothing. Like, justice, period. And, and it was amazing. And the moment that Bruce had turned around and sort of, uh, you know, wanted him back, I think he has to realize that everything is based on intention. Yeah. And the core intention was to be like, leave it in the past because what the hell are you going to do about it now? Yeah. You know, you're just going to be more haunted, more, yeah. you know, um, it's just going to make it worse. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, it really will. In the same episode, uh, Commissioner Gordon, he's not Commissioner yet, Jim Gordon, he wants to get the corrupt police commissioner fired. Uh -huh. So he goes to the Penguin, and he's like, can you get rid of this guy? Because they kind of have a weird relationship. And then uh, the Penguin's like, yeah, but you got to get rid of this competitive like dealer or whatever. So Jim does it, but because things go wrong, he ends up having to shoot the guy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyways, before that happens, he goes to Bruce, Jim Gordon. And he says, I have to apologize to you because of the oath I swore to you to find your parents' murder I'm not going to be able to fulfill. Right. Because I'm off the force and there's this bad guy and what I would have to do to make it happen is not a good thing. Right. And Bruce kind of reasons it out and basically, in, in, you know, not so many words says, pussy, like, what, you got to fucking get a little dirty to mm. fucking get justice? Right. What's the fucking matter with you? Fucking do it. Right. Yeah. So basically, Gordon kind of goes ahead and does it. And, you know, that's, that's Batman. That's no give. It's no mercy to evil. You know what I mean? It's Batman is as evil as you can get in a good way. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's just, just the way it was written. You could tell it was the writers. It was this, some writer's brain had this idea of how can we put Batman acting like Batman, but as a 14-year-old boy. You know, there's so many human elements to Batman. The fact that he's got no supernatural powers. Yeah. Um, he is haunted by his past, you know, comes from tragedy. And I think a lot of people identify with that. And um, that's what makes Batman so huge. 
it's such a staple in our pop culture. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's the epitome of... I don't even know what the word is. Righteousness, maybe? Of how there's no gift. Yeah. No mercy on evil. There's not many superheroes out there. I mean, I mean, Marvel's got a lot of the typical anti-heroes, the Punishers, the Wolverines, the Vigilantes. Punisher. The, yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But Batman, it's just like, there is no forgiveness for mercy of evil. Like, that's what it gets me about Batman, you know? Like, right. It's just fucking justice, you know? I saw right. a great meme this morning that said, what does a Batman air freshener smell like? Justice. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. If you go on to Twitter, uh, it's just, is it Cosmic Casey or is it like Cosmic underscore Casey? Nope, it's weird? at Cosmic Casey, both with K's. K-K. Yes. Uh, and also, there's Facebook, there's Cosmic there's, Casey. Yep, Facebook.com slash Cosmic Casey, spelled the same way, both with K's. There's CosmicCasey.com, which is the main site. And on Instagram, I am K, C as in cat, D is in dog, so KCD writes, and um, not writes as in women's lib, but uh, writes as in physical writing. So KCD writes yes. on Instagram. And Pieces of Madness is on Amazon. It's on Amazon and RocketInkStudios.com. Very cool. We did our hour. Yes, we did. And we did it well. Cheers. Cheers. Awesome. KCD, you've had an amazing year, and I cannot wait. Honestly, to see what happens next. Oh, so, Jason Clark is one of my favorite human beings in the universe. I have to, I can't leave without saying that. I, I shucks. can't. Hey, I can't. Well, you know, positive things just the voice to of the people. Together. The voice of the people. Jason Clark. Trying to be. So, hey, you kids in Toronto, take a little lesson from Michigan. We're going to bring it all up. We're going to bring it all home. Someday, I hope to be powerful enough to combine Michigan and Ontario into some sort of super province. Oh, yeah. We're, we'll be unstoppable. You just wait. Rule the world. You just wait. <laughs> Good times. All right, dude. Thank you. Thank you.